This is the breaking news from Tibet. First, we have a report on the current religious repression in Tibet. The Reuters article is from Sunday, December 9th. Religious repression in the Chinese-ruled Himalayan region of Tibet is tightening, with authorities intensifying the pressure on monks to denounce the exiled Dalai Lama, a new report said on Monday. The government had started building police stations close to or even in monasteries, limiting the number of monks or nuns and making them take exams to prove their loyalty to China, the London-based Tibet Watch said. Though visitors to Tibet may notice rebuilt and restored monasteries and monks and nuns apparently able to freely practice Buddhism, it is only for show, the group said. Monks have also told us of returning to monasteries that are more like museums. Monks and nuns talk of having money donated for the upkeep of monasteries and nunneries snatched by the Chinese authorities. Han Holmes, acting director of Free Tibet Campaign, said in a statement. China has ruled Tibet with an iron hand since its troops took control in 1950, but many in Tibet still pledge loyalty to the Nobel Peace Prize winning Dalai Lama, despite Beijing's condemnation of him as a traitor for staging a failed uprising against Chinese rule and fleeing to India in 1959. China denies religious repression and regularly defends its rule in Tibet, saying the communists ended centuries of serfdom and brought prosperity to the underdeveloped region. Tibet Watch said China was trying to crack down on Tibetans' devotion to their spiritual leader, the Dalai Lama. The series of new measures, including detaining and torturing monks and nuns who refused to denounce him. Tibet Watch quoted an unidentified nun as describing what happened to her when soldiers found she was wearing a picture of the Dalai Lama around her neck, as China has banned his image being shown in the country. They saw the photos, and when I would not give it to him, the soldiers rushed over and beat me. When my companions cried out that a nun was being killed, they were beaten and thrown across the room, she said. I was punched and kicked and blood was spouting from my mouth. Then I was tied to a pillar and kicked my chest many times, the nun added. China must respect religious freedom in Tibet, the report added. How can China ever expect to be respected player on the world stage when it does everything in its power to control and undermine the religious beliefs that are basic human rights? The Tibetan people, Holmes added. Our next article is Bloggers in China Starts Testing Limits of Mental Firewall from the Wall Street Journal. A respected Chinese blogger Hong Bo, known as Keso, last week posted a question to an online discussion forum in China. If one day Taiwan goes independent, he wrote, what harm will it do to us? That is a sensitive topic in a country that still treats Taiwan as a breakaway province. Shortly after Queso raised the point, the discussion was cut short. His online censor wasn't the notorious Great Firewall of China, the filtering software put in place by the Chinese government to stifle online dissent. Rather, Queso was reprimanded by another writer in a general interest forum. No discussion of politics here, his fellow netizen insisted. In China, people are not in the habit of expressing their ideas very publicly, says Queso. Well-meaning free speech advocates outside China develop anti-censorship software. Companies that cooperate with China's technical censorship regime are hauled before lawmakers for rebuke. Last month, Yahoo! CEO Jerry Yang 
was berated by the U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee for sharing information with the Chinese government that led to the jailing of a journalist. Inside China, however, some of the smartest thinkers about the internet believe the biggest hurdle to free speech in China isn't technical, it's social. China's 162 million internet users are a largely young and wealthy set who typically aren't engaged in politics. Most don't seem intent on accessing the sort of content that would upset the authorities. They're busy amassing virtual weapons in online games and posting photos to blogs. But when content does get political, the government doesn't have to do all the censoring itself. Behind the Great Firewall, it relies on internet companies to take down content that might offend the party or risk their business license. A third line is self-censorship. Isaac Mao, a blogging pioneer in China, has dubbed this problem China's mental firewall. The big problem in China now is free thinking, says Mr. Mao. China's Confucian values teach respect for authority and the subordination of the individual to the family and state. In China's rigid education system, young people rarely are encouraged to express their opinions, and people have learned to keep quiet as political orthodoxies changed with the wind over the decades, with leaders coming into power, then falling out of favor as new regimes installed themselves. Finding yourself in the wrong side could lead to punishment, including exile and jail. It's tricky because self-censorship has helped to protect people, says Mr. Mao, but he adds that these self-imposed restrictions are stifling expression and, in the long run, his society's development. There was a kind of fish that lived deep in the ocean, says the blogger Kessel. It did not use its eyes very often, since it was used to the darkness there, so its eyesight degenerated gradually, until one day it became blind. Mr. Mao and others think that over time, the social networking capabilities of the internet will help Chinese people become more assertive about speaking their minds. Young Chinese have already made the internet an integral part of their lives. It opens opportunities for them to express individuality and emotion in a way that didn't exist before. A recent survey by media company IAC and ad agency JWT found that 73% of Chinese internet users Age 16 to 25 felt they could do and say things online they couldn't in the real world. In the U.S., only 32% felt that way. When those young people share information through social media, such as blogs and instant messaging, it carries one big advantage the state-controlled media don't enjoy. Trust. Readers believe what is written by a friend or a blogger they follow. This is especially true for discussions on local topics such as traffic problems or polluted creeks. Earlier this year, a Chinese blogger named Zola reported on a homeowner who refused to vacate to make way for a new development. Before the government could control the story in the mainstream media, Zola's report was shared by thousands online. But these discussions happen less frequently on the bigger, more sensitive issues, such as Tibetan descent or human rights, topics that get the attention of the government and foreigners. In 2004, Mr. Mao, who is also vice president of a Shanghai venture capital firm, helped found the nonprofit group Social Brain Foundation. The goal, he says, is to use social media to transmit messages to people in a trusted way through support for new technology and conferences. In theory, he explains, a wide online social network in China could move information from one person to the next faster than any technology could shut it down. We strongly believe that if we build a social norm where people collaborate and trust each other, Mr. Mao says, the country can be better.